All right. Let's just take a moment just to pray and just uh, pray for the Lord's anointing on each one of us as we seek to listen to God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for an opportunity of gathering together in your name. Lord, we just want to thank you that even as we seek to enter into your presence this morning, that your word would guide us, that your spirit would teach each one of us. We just thank you, Father, for even being here this morning. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of communion. We thank you for the power of family. And so, Father God, even as we explore your word, Father God, we just pray that you would take us by, by our hands and take us into the, the next phase of this morning. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to open your, the word of God, and starting in chapter Ephesians 4, chapter 17, and we read together. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and be to renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." This morning, when you read the scripture, one of the things that really jumps out is the whole concept of old and new. Often, even when we think about the Bible, we think of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the challenge with calling something the Old Testament and the New Testament, sometimes we, we lose the connectivity between the two. So in fact, if you go to most seminaries in today, we, we, they're starting to avoid the word old. In the West, our concept of the word old has changed. Do we like an old car? Do we like an old cell phone? Do we like an old siding on a house? Do we like an old kitchen? And in our modern world, we always want to refresh and renew. And in fact, at Joy Bible Camp, that's the theme going forward in this next season of renewal, restoration, revival. What does revival look in your life? What does renewal look? What does the old you look like? What does the new you look like? As I get older... I'm not always sure I'm happy to give way to the old because the old me looked a little bit better. My ankle was a little bit better. My body just seemed to be more versatile. The new me is 
perhaps not as versatile as it once was. And so when we think about the Bible and when we think about old, another thing people often, when they think of the Old Testament, they think it, it's myth, it's mythology, it's a legend. And when you think of something as myth or legend, it loses its vitality. And so I want to invite you, even in your reading of Scripture during the week, and as you spend time in the Word, do not think of the Old Testament as old in the sense of myth and legend. No. The, New Test, the Old Testament, which the Hebrew Bible is the foundation on which everything Christianity has is built. It's a sure foundation stone. The word of creation spoke in Genesis. And we serve a God that's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. To God there is no old. God is the same. Magnificent. When God speaks, creation listens. But God is always doing a new thing. God's mercies are new every morning. You woke up this morning, your first breath of fresh air. Coming out, it's a new day. New opportunities. Yesterday is gone. It's historical. It's been written. The question is, what story would you like to write into your diary regarding today? Because the future of your life is still potential. Whereas the past of your life is written in stone. You can't go back and redo yesterday. We can't go back and redo last year at the Bible camps. It's done. It's history. And so when Paul is saying, old and you, put on the new you. We wake up in the morning, take that shower, brush the teeth, comb the hair. We put on a new, a new look. I don't put on yesterday's clothes. You can try that. On occasion, I catch my son, Timothy, re-putting on his favorite t-shirt from the day before. And as you can well understand, it doesn't always bode well when you're a 16-year-old young man. There's something about, even in my own life, I know I cannot put on yesterday's clothing. So there's something about a fresh approach. Even in Ephesians, when you're thinking about the gospel, when you think of the gospel and you think of the, of the armor of God, you think your shoes, your feet needs to be shod with the gospel. The good news of God's kingdom at hand. But for many of us, we've been walking in this good news. For some of us, maybe a day or two, maybe some of us five years or so, maybe some of us have been serving and walking in this gospel for 20 plus years. But God's mercies are new every morning and God can do something new in your life if you would just say, Lord, here am I. The world is in a desperate need of the good news. Because we've been caught in old ways of thinking. To recap a little bit, when you're looking at Ephesians, and I've taken this off Bible Project, and Bible Project is a great way to, if you want to just go and do an overview of, of any book of the Bible, 
the Bible project is really wonderful. But I'll just take this image where it just speaks about the first three chapters of Ephesians. It's, it's really just speaking about God and the gospel. And in the beginning, Paul is just writing this poem and he's saying, praise God for what he's done in Christ. This morning, as we take communion together, what are we doing? We're praising God for what he's done in Jesus. What a, you know, in my heart, I thought, what a pre precious privilege it is. I was thinking, uh, as Boyd was speaking uh, back to COVID, boy, what a complicated thing it was. How do we do communion when we can't get together? And even in our own home, we would sit around the dining room table and we'd have communion together. We would listen to you know, the pre-recorded message and have communion, but it just wasn't the same when the whole family wasn't together. Have you realized just how precious family is? And remember, that was the theme for last week. We are a family. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he unified everything under the Messiah. He's taken the Hebrews and the Gentiles and he's brought us together because he's creating one family governed by him for all eternity. And that is the reason you were created because God wanted a family. And when you think of God wanting a family, we read in Corinthians this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Here it's speaking about the marriage covenant of the Lamb. When I said, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to come into my life. It's that marriage covenant of saying, Jesus, you are going to be the head of this body. And, and in so doing, I become a temple for the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus says, I will give you a gift, an endowment, a dowry, to make you ready for when I come to receive you one day. But even today, you and I sit here with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer family, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You are a temple of God. And in Psalms 86, it says, All nations you made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. So when I'm looking around the world and I'm looking at the news and all these nations doing all weird and wonderful things in their parliaments, look at Psalm 86 and feel good. Because God is saying, yet this, there are a lot of people out there that do not know Christ. They do not know his ways. And so their thinking, the way they do life, is the way the life according to the flesh. They don't know any better. Don't expect them to know better, because they won't. The only way you and I can know better is if we walk in the Spirit, and if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, putting on God's new mercies today. I know lest today I fall, I need to walk and hold on to the Holy Spirit. Driving here this morning, I think we were, somebody, if, all of, if this ministry was taken away from me, and like the apostles say, where would I go? Lord, what would I do? You are the only thing I know. To go and learn something new would be crazy. 
And so I was just so grateful every day of my life. And I do not take it for granted that I have Jesus in my life. Not a day that I take that for granted. Last week I used the analogy, the metaphor that the blood of Christ courses through our veins. And somebody got a bit confused about that last week. But it's a metaphor. I'm not literally saying Jesus' actual blood is now coursing through your veins. Scientifically that wouldn't make much sense. But we speak about blood and DNA. When we speak about a family, we're a blood relatives. You know, we say blood relatives in the West. Speaking about a husband and wife and the children, we call them family. We say blood is thicker than water. Also referring to the cross, I might add. And so the blood of Christ covers a multitude of sin. In it, in the blood of Christ, we find our healing. Because Jesus, when we become a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit resides within us, we walk within the DNA of Jesus. The spiritual DNA. And this is very important because God says he will not leave you nor forsake you. So family, to encourage you this morning, I want to tell you, you're not walking alone. Isn't that amazing? When we are singing these hymns this morning, what a privilege it is just to sing hymns together. The spiritual discipline of worship in community, in family. Singing with one voice and praising God. See, the first three chapters is the gospel story. The next three chapters that we're going through now, we're speaking about our story in relation to the gospel. And I will speak to myself. I have a heart after God. But I know my mind isn't always after the things of God. My, my car is thinking after the rattling exhaust pipe coming out of my vehicle. Because driving here this morning, it was rattling again. You're going, let's just say the road out to joy is not too great. It's like a corrugated tin roof. <laughs> Fortunately, my teeth are still together. But my mind gets swayed by the world. Open a Facebook and, and all of a sudden I'm down a side road to nowhere. I'm opening up somebody, we watch a TikTok and boom, there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. It's like fireworks in your brain all the time. And then at night when, there's, when you switch it all off and you're lying in your bed or in your, your favorite couch and you're saying, here, I'm, here I am, how do you still the mind? Because the Bible says there's a war on for your mind. Even music. Are you afraid of silence that you cannot switch everything off? Now in some ways when you're living out in the countryside, in some ways you're speaking to the, to the people who already know this. But when you go out into the bush, you don't take your music with you. If you're going hunting for a deer, you don't put rap music on in the background. Or heavy metal for that matter. What will you do to the game in the area? You'll chase everything away. But even if you've got it just in earphones in your ear, are you focused on the music or the job at hand? And so everything in life we humans doing becomes a distraction for what we need to be doing. And we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we need to align ourselves 
realign. When I'm watching something, I would say, is this good for me? Is this knowledge I know? If it's hard news, then pray for it immediately and release it into the Lord's hands. Practicing the presence of God at all times. Meditating on the things of God day and night. I know that sounds boring, but once you start doing it, I'm telling you, you'll see some changes in your life that are really fruitful. Because Ephesians really is about the old you to the new you. Not the Old Testament, the precious Hebrew covenant that God is going to do something with humanity. The New Testament is God's plan for humanity. Beautiful story from Genesis to Revelation. Beautiful all the way. And since then, you have been created and God is writing a chapter just on you. What is, what is your story read like so far? Just like a lot of the heroes of the old Bible, I'm blinking a lot and wincing a lot. Wow. But when I get to the part where Jesus takes care of part of that part of my life, I go, phew, a great sigh of relief. Jesus, you got this one. God, you got this one. We have many problems and many troubles in your life. Phew, Lord, you got this one too. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That old children's ministry song. Take it to the Lord. So let's read again. It says, now this I say and testify in the Lord. When somebody says, I testify in the Lord, it means I can testify to what the Lord has done in my life. So I too can testify. Anybody here can testify what, to what God has done in your life? Amen? Let's see some hands. Can you testify? This is very important because you can testify. Not just to yourself on your days that you're thinking badly or in a downer. No, you can testify to your neighbor. And now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Do you know before you got saved, there was some futility in your behavior? I remember clearly. Clearly enough that I don't want my children to know. But I don't hide it from them because they need to know. Their dad had some futility in his life. Because once upon a time, he didn't walk according to the things of the word. He didn't walk with Christ. I walked in my humanity. I was going to be my own success story. I was darkened in my understanding. I was alienated from a life with God. I was ignorant of many things. Because I had a hard heart. I'd been through tough things and felt much rejection in my life. Blah, 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 blah. Pity party, pity party, pity party. Anybody there with me? They became callous and given to themselves, to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. That was me, being there. I tasted all those things. I withheld nothing from myself. I'm glad there's no videos of some of the things I got up to. I'd be horrified, even to when I think about it, I get horrified. But I can testify to the Lord. Because in that dark place, I said, Lord, I don't know how you get out of this dank hole of life. But I'm not enjoying it. And in fact, I hate it. And I cannot see that this is any life worth living. 
And God says, you can call on me anytime. And so, they who shall call on the name of the Lord shall be? Do you know how glibly we say that and yet how profoundly powerful that is? Going down the road and the wheel comes off, you get stuck on a mountain this week, we're going to go and visit somebody and we... And we're going up mountains because the road should be fine, but it's iced up because it's suddenly minus 15 outside and you're suddenly saying, oh Lord, we shouldn't have taken this road. <laughs> yes, we love because we know. And the person who we asked to come and save us gets stuck too. So, oh boy, but Shannon's falling, I'm falling, they're falling, we're all falling together. And when you fall on rock hard ice, it is not too comfortable. And so you realize, oh, Lord, we pray for safety right now. Just get us out, get us out, out of here safely. And, and you know, God suddenly, he's there. It all happens. It works out. You get home safely. What a precious thing it is to call on the name of the Lord. These people that are stuck in dark, dank places of their lives, sitting on byways and highways, struggling with the things of life, who do they call to? What a privilege it is. You know the name of the Lord by which to call on. But Paul is also saying we cannot give our hearts to God and keep our bodies for ourselves. Is that a tough one? I know in our modern world our bodies are our own. You can do anything. You can have all sorts of diagrams and pictures by the greatest artists. The problem is on many people can't afford to go to the greatest artists for all these new things. So some people's artistry on their skin doesn't always look totally up to scratch. But whose body is this? That body you're sitting in right now? Whose is it? It's only on loan to your family. Take good care of it. Because it's the only one you got. And there'll come a stage where you're going to need spare parts. And spare parts are not too easy to get hold of. But God is saying, I don't want just your heart. I want your mind and soul and body. I want the whole you. Because in a good marriage, both partners get the whole deal. Not half a person. You don't just get the heart and the mind. And that's what I tell young people, people getting married. Getting married isn't about just the physical aspect of it. Because then the marriage is doomed anyway. It's not just about the mind, because the marriage is doomed anyway. Life is going to happen and all things are going to get thrown your way. You don't know what's going to happen. For better, for worse. Do we even know what that means? People getting divorced. You know what the biggest excuse? I didn't sign up for that. The scariest words I've ever heard of. Well, what did you sign up for? It's just life is life. It's the good times and the hard times is what gels you together with, with, with love stronger than glue. Real love. Agape love. The greatest gift in the Bible. Agape love. There's filio, there's eros. In marriage, should have all these things, but the greatest is eros. No greater love than a man who lays down his 
life for a friend. Amen. God wants your body to. What did God ask of Christ? Son, lay down your life. I want your body on that cross. Listen to that again. Son, I want your body on that cross. And someone has it this, this morning. Family, God wants your, your body on that cross too. It's for your own benefit, I promise. I can testify to that. When I let go of the cravings of my flesh and say, Lord, just, just put me on that cross with Jesus and keep me there and don't let me move. Nail me on. Because when you're nailed on, you can't get off. And, and I've learned every time I get off, I get myself into situations that are terrible. I need to stay connected to Christ at all times. Naivety in grown-ups is often charming. But when it's coupled with vanity, it is indistinguishable from stupidity. Eric Hoffer. And this isn't for you, family. This is for me. You know when I first got born again? I was naive. I didn't know what I didn't know. So it's all exciting and exuberant. But when you think you know something, you don't. Stupidity. And so we walk this life with a mind, body and soul coming into connectedness in Christ. I don't know, so I beg God. Before I'm preaching, I said, hey, Lord, I don't fully comprehend this. I desperately need an impartation of your spirit that I really can speak to my heart and speak to yours. But that doesn't just happen on a Sunday. You know, it doesn't happen with all things. Having the privilege of just reading somebody else's musings this week. What a privilege it is to, to read what other people are writing in their walk with God and listening to their testimony. I love it. It's their testimony. By the, blood of their, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony that you shrink not back from death, that you will overcome him who is in the world. Revelations. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So our old life, in, we put, on, put off the old life and put on a new life. And that's why I speak about the, the imagery of just getting yourself onto the cross with Jesus. Jesus will take care of you. Just surrender, not just your mind, not your heart, but surrender your body too. It makes life a lot easier. A meaningful life is not about riches, about being popular, being highly educated, about being perfect. And once upon my time, those were the things I aspired to, because that's where I thought happiness was. But as I get older and spend more time doing ministry and doing things around God, I love being around people who are just real. I don't mind if you're struggling with your faith. I don't mind if you're struggling with anything. I just want us to be real. Tell me how you're actually doing. If you're struggling, let me know. I do real. It's, just, it's so much easier to walk in truth. The truth sets us free. Being humble. What a privilege it is. When we put on Christ, we can just be humble, got nothing to prove. We can just be gentle and do life together. Being humble, it's wonderful to be around humble people. Sharing ourselves. 
that body that we think belongs to us now. Jesus, my body belongs to you. Share me with others. Help me to do whatever, whether I be worshipping today, singing, doing uh, messages downstairs. Oh, Lord, share my body with others. Touching the lives of others. This morning we, 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 we mentioned a, a brother passing in the Lord who one day just made a, dressed up as a woman and in our modern world people go, oh. but no, he just did it for fun and it was laughter. But we can laugh and celebrate people just being people. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. It's then that we can have a full and happy and contented life. Are you content with, in life? Then you've got to realign. If you're not happy, you've got to realign some things. What's truly going to make you happy? When you walk into this building, does this feel like a spiritual home to you? Do you are you comfortable walking in here? Does, do you feel like somebody knows your name? What a privilege it is. As Paul is saying, we need to be renewed in the spirit, in our minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. With who? With our neighbors. For we are members of one another. Family. We are members of one another. Precious. If Christ is in you, we need to start wearing him out. When, if somebody asks you to pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. If a parliamentarian asks you to pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. Be you. Be Christ in you. Wear Jesus on the outside. Don't hide away. Because you won't find happiness hiding Jesus away, I promise you. Just wear him on the outside. Just be honorable, loving, kind, peaceful, patient. The world's desperately in need of these things. Wear Jesus on the outside. In Isaiah 56 it reads here, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. My house shall be a house of prayer for who? What does all mean? Hello. So the people who don't know it yet, they're going to get there. Don't stress about it. Don't stress about people who don't know who are living in sin. Lord, here's, here am I. Send me. This is your body. Use me to the best of your ability. It says, And one day the burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. Do you know when you put your tithes and offerings into the offering box at the back there? You don't have to give it to God. God doesn't want to compel you to give nothing. But he's willing to accept a love offering from you anytime. But he wants acceptable offering, not given grudgingly. No. If your spouse gives you a gift that they begrudgingly give you, is that a true gift? Is that the gift you want? Or is you want, a, you want somebody who's given you a gift that you've thought about and meditated on? Now, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That means you and I, 
will be holding on to the, the throne of God, the hand of Jesus at all times, and communication is going to be easy. Praying unceasingly with God at all times. And you know, family, with the Spirit of God in you right now, you have access to that. You've just got to practice the discipline of prayer. You see, there's this titanic struggle. God is commanding that his dwelling place be built in your life today. You are the temple. God wants you to build a dwelling place for him in your life. It takes enormous grace, overcoming enormous resistance for God's dwelling place to be established on earth. Moses on the mountain. People got bored waiting at the bottom of the mountain. See what happens? You get holy people and godly people. And you get people like Enoch and, and Moses when they go up the mountain. They're so holy that people are expecting them just to cross over. They're so close to God that they're going to cross over to the other side and, you're, and they'll just be left on the other side. They didn't understand that Moses was coming back. So they moved on. Okay, Moses is going to be with God. What are we going to do now? We get on with what they're doing. And the first thing they get back to is doing their old ways. But Moses comes down that mountain because he knows on top of the mountain that he has got a, his role is to bring the Messiah to earth. So the first sign of the Messiah coming to the earth is the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. That's the first sign of the Messiah, the law, the Torah coming to the people. You don't understand how powerful that is. But the day Moses walked down that mountain, he wasn't holy, he was being godly. He was bringing the Messiah from heaven to earth, down to the people. He was bringing the law, he was bringing the word to the people. Family, today, when you've met with God on that mountaintop, and you had that mountaintop experience, say, Jesus, come into my life. God instills himself in you and he says, I want you to take my word to the people. Yes, they're dancing around golden calves. They're doing their thing. But I'm asking you to be godly. And the difference between holy, holy means you're so heavenly minded that your focus is on heaven. To being godly is saying, Lord, I'm in heaven and I want to take Jesus to the people. I want to bring the Torah down to the people who are dancing around that statue. Because if not you, then who? You've been chosen. You've been called You've been given the gospel, the good news of his kingdom. I am a father in one, says Jesus. And so we take Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what brings change to our heart and mind. The old to the new. Today is a new day. Go out into this world this week and have a good week. Be encouraged. The Holy Spirit is with you. Have a wonderful week. Glorify God and enjoy Him in every way. Let's close eyes. Father, I just thank you for each one of your children listening to this message this morning. I thank you that you, you have chosen each one of us by name. And Father God, we choose this morning to put on Jesus. Jesus, what a privilege it is just to ask you to come into our lives and touch it. Help us to go out into this world, this 
body that you've given us, this gift, this temple. Father, help us to build a temple to your ministry and to our love for you. Help us to love you as you love us. Help us to love our neighbor as you love them. Help us to bring the word, the Torah, to the people at the bottom of the mountain that haven't met you yet or don't know you, that are perhaps lost. Father, give us courage just to bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness to a world that so desperately needs us. Give us wisdom, Father, we pray, as we go into this week. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.